In the early 2000s, a global climate crisis emerged from humankind's disregard for the Earth and its natural systems. Scientists warned of an apocalypse the likes of which could eradicate human existence. The blaming began with the leaders of many powerful nations pointing fingers at each other. Eventually, war erupted, and deadly nuclear salvos fired from the biggest superpowers ravaged much of the Earth, destroying and irradiating large portions of its surface. Certain major cities survived, and from the ashes rose again. The survivors did what they could, utilizing the resources of a few very wealthy corporations to combat the climate crisis. For almost a century, civilization has survived, hobbled together with corporate governance, and expanded to the few sections of the globe still viable for sustaining human life. Antarctica, once an inhospitable frozen tundra, has become one such bastion for human life. Colonized by a Scottish arms corporation called Militech, Pilatus Antarctica is a thriving metropolis of the future. You're falling, and you're falling, and you're falling, and about feet, we're talking feet from the ground, the instruments kick back on for a split second, and then you crash. It has been six months since the helicopter crashed down in the streets of Pilatus. Due to the superior health coverage of Miss Silver and Mr. Purple, a trauma team vehicle was dispatched almost immediately to attempt to resuscitate the two Sahara execs. Miss Silver, still conscious due to her metallic exterior, insists that you and Abel, well, you guys both, uh, receive the same treatment and charges it to the company card. There is no expectation to pay back that money. True to their word, the execs have extended the offer on the board to Saul, Abel, and Phoebe White. Phoebe, for her part, accepts, with the intention of finally using the research she and James did for something worthwhile. Much data has been lost by the infection of Sahara's servers, but what remains has been combed over by Phoebe and her father, who get to decide what to keep and what to scrap. Militech has received a thorough beating from the Donatis, due in part to the weapons supplied by Sol and Abel. The result is that Militech leadership is forced from Pilates, and a new provisional government is installed with an interim president being voted on by the people. Grateful for the freedom from their corporate overlords, the people cast the majority of the votes towards Evelyn Donati. For the time being, there has been no retaliation from the corporations, but many feel Militech will return to the city when they are ready for war. Suifangji's body was recovered among the wreckage, but strangely, her Phoenix ship contained no data for re-uploading her consciousness. Kander, confused about the disappearance of Soifangji, 
has parted ways from the remaining associates to hone her skills with Hellfire and presumably combs the net, searching tirelessly for her mentor. With all the information gathered from Sahara about Centripo, Stryker's clinic are able to bring an end to the Hayes epidemic and rehabilitate many people suffering from nerve damage. The explosion of Omega in the heart of the financial district destroyed much and killed at least 2,000 who had not evacuated from the attacks made by Militech. Most analysts within Sahara say that an explosion of its size and magnitude would have killed millions in Pilatus Central if it had hit its intended target. That is, uh, that's kind of every, the, the, the big boilerplate of everything that's happened. Um, so my question uh, for, I guess, we'll st- who wants to start? Well, um, Jesse, do you have any big thoughts on what Abel has done? Hmm. Well, I, I'm not. I don't think I would have taken any sort of uh, extension from the from Sahara. I would have wanted to cut ties immediately. You want to cut ties? Yeah, like just take uh, t- take a cut of how much I earned and just take what I what I earned and then leave um, with the assumption. And with the secure promise that I would want all like evidence of me and the folks that are attached to me completely erased. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, they'll do that. Um, they give you a, t- a tidy sum uh, as as like payment for put it basically putting them in the position that you've put them. Um, you know, you've kind of made their made their careers uh, and kind of did away with the things that they hated about their job. Um, and so um, I think that the sum that you can walk away with is in the millions of credits. Leaving Pilatus and with, with your with your tidy sum in, in tow, knowing that um, you and all of your friends uh, will no longer be hounded by um, corporate interests uh, what do you do with the rest of your life? Hmm. Well, I guess what I would want to go find B and Zemlin. But I don't think that's where I would want to end up and stay. I guess the big thing that I would want to do is invest in Stryker's operation and kind of be an oversight partner with him. Uh, basically be like, I know that we're doing some good, and I know what we're doing is right, but you are have a shitty fucking track record, and I'm going to make sure that you continue to stay on the right track, and don't, uh, don't spoil this so, for the rest of us. So I'll ask you this, um, does, does the Raven um, have anything to say? Yeah, I think that she's going to... Start using the Raven to really um, continue drumming up anti-corporate sentiment, but also focus on like how do we get the Donatis to not just become another corporate, especially since they were already good at playing their game in the first place. The Raven would basically become a continued voice of dissent and would toe the line of 
encouraging people to work with the Donatis, but also to encourage people to decentralize as much as possible. Um, okay. I think that... Um... I think that I want to do one thing uh, with this then. Um, you are just leaving, um, helping out at uh, Zemlin's clinic, and you see a, uh, a figure um, with uh, an umbrella, because um, it's, it's raining outside, it's dark, um, and they approach you, and it is Popper. Uh, and they say, Abel, uh, you're looking well. Have you, how have you been? I'm going to check around me and just uh, kind of turn my body so, it's, so to show that I'm not comfortable with Popper, but I'm also not going to necessarily dart. Just be like, uh, I was better five seconds ago. How are you? Ugh. Uh, it's I'm I'm doing well. Uh, relax. I, I have come here um, with kind of a uh, an offer, if you will. I'm sure you've seen some of the recent um, uh, slanders at uh, President Donati um, in the news recently. At, I'm sure, as a member of the media and the press yourself, and I was hoping that yeah, I read the news. I was hoping that you would be interested in uh, taking up a position with her administration uh, as a consultant, maybe an image coach, somebody to help her handle the stresses of the job and also steer her speeches and, and her public image. Oh, I think she probably has some high-paid waity-toity folks already doing that right why are you interested in me well let's just say that um my associates and i are, are very aware of uh the sway that your particular voice has on the city and we don't need to say anything more about that um we're not upset or anything. Rather, we're impressed. And I think that you are being underutilized here. If you and your associates are so aware of <clears throat> the circles that I run in, then you know that we're interested in the truth and not the spin. So if our dear president continues to act in the interest of the people... You don't have to pay me a dime. Well, would you be interested in uh, at least writing some articles to keep uh, corporate dogs off of our tail? Listen, I, I love what you're doing here. I appreciate the, the well, candor, I guess. Uh, but I sold my soul once. I'm not interested in putting it back on the market. I appreciate the ask, though. And unfortunately, for now, you know where to find me. So if you find something that's a little bit morally less ambiguous, that's what I'm interested in. I know where to find you for the book. I see. 
Well, um, I respect your decision. I th just wanted to say that you are, uh, I admire your voice and your passion. And I think that uh, you could go places if you set your mind to it. Um, I've been, I've been in the position uh, that you've been of, of hating the hierarchy and, and hating the game. But finding the right people to play with, at least for me, uh, was worth it. And they extend their hand out to shake yours. Uh, I'll shake it. And I'll just say, uh, you know, Popper, I think you're right about that. And then, yeah, uh, but after that conversation, I mean, if nothing, does anything happen with that conversation? Uh, I, th I mean, it, it ends, I think. I mean, you, you, you turn down uh, their offer, uh, you know, politely. Um, they don't have a problem with what you're doing uh, as far as the side job. Um, but so, you know, that it can end there if you, if that's what you want for, uh, for, um, Abel. Yeah. Well, I think what Abel's going to do after that conversation is just start, uh, sourcing folks from her work with Stryker and her just general beat around town and start recruiting other people to act as the Raven. Um, and start decentralizing her role because she does not like that people know who she is. So um, she's going to start basically building her flock. And um, the flock of ravens. The flock of ravens. So, yeah, just basically showing them all the flock of birds. Cool. Would it be the murder? Or what's the one for ravens? Yeah, that's what it is. It's the murder, murder. Gross. All right, that is cool. Any closing, any closing thoughts, statements that Abel wants to get across? You can cut this out, but I just found out a group of ravens is called the Unkindness. <laughs> Perfect. Or yeah, a conspiracy. I think that might be cooler. Either one works. An unkind conspiracy. Um, no, I do think that within the next two years, though, Abel is going to either, um, uh, gently, she's going to find, she wants to disappear in some way. So she, whether she does that by getting, um, a terminal illness and, uh, slowly fading or from faking her death in some way, like, and so she's going to erase herself from the map in some way. So. I think she may end up um, going and finding that one, the fixer. Uh, what was her name? Possibly do a couple odd jobs for her, but with the with the plan of completely being set up either with a new identity. And she wants to just fade back and let the flock do its work.
So moving on to Saul, um, or is it Saul now? That's my first question is have, have you kind of decided who it is that you are? I think after all the, the experiences that have happened and everything that goes on after the crash, six months after, Saul stays Saul because there are, I think he takes on the middle name James though, um, because there's like moments of coherency where he is 100% Saul and then there's moments of, I wouldn't say, I'd say coherency as well where he knows he's not James anymore, but he has the memories and the overlay and everything else of James. He just knows things that James knew. Um, but after, after the crash, a couple of things that are important is that he lost one of his legs in the crash and he got it replaced with something like mechanical, essentially. Um, it could be, more automated towards like an actual human physiology so it looks more like filigree and kind of like human-esque or it could be something that's more along the lines of like multiple legs put together kind of like a spider leg situation or but you know intermesh so where there might be like three or four just to give them extra stability something of the sort um but he has been kind of trying to process uh, becoming the person he once was while also being the person he is now, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, sure. I think he started very reluctantly dating Phoebe again. Because <laughs> Phoebe has, I'm sure, a lot of emotions and stuff tied to the past, and Salt doesn't hundred percent understand or comprehend all of them i guess so he's yeah it's like trying to catch a moving train yeah yeah so he's trying to or like i don't know it, it it's very much a you i don't know used to play like chess or piano or something a long time ago like 20 years ago whatever you try to take it back up as you're older and you still know like how to play some of the keys, but you don't remember everything you used to, I guess is the best way I could describe it. Yeah. Like, so like that's how he kind of feels for their relationship. Um, but he has gone back to work for Sahara with Phoebe. Um, and he helps when he can with their research, but he still doesn't have a great recognition of it. So instead he has fostered his, manufacturing talents towards creating robotics instead and um actually he tries to have a very close relationship with candor in two very important um kind of aspects one to try to get her to stay with sahara and have all the resources that she can to become a better um just net runner and then two um saul thinks he saw something during the crash and being uh, resurrected not resurrected but resuscitated during the crash he thought he saw something that just think he it makes him think that like aliens are definitely out there and they took soy fungi 
Oh. So. Interesting. He is, um, it could have been like a, a, a white flash or like a, an orb or something as the the helicopter crashed. But he is with Kander on the down low like every other night. He is working on building a robotic body so that when they find Soifanji's consciousness, they A, are able to put Soifanji's consciousness back into this robotic body and or B, try to steal whatever technology they can from aliens. Interesting. Saul's, uh, yeah. yeah, I think... I think um, most of your most of your interactions with Candor now uh, happen through text. Yeah, because she is, um, like I said, kind of distanced herself mm-hmm. um, from the city, from you know her her life here. Because um, I I think to Candor's mind, um, Pilatus is the city where she grew up, but she didn't really get to have you know, a traditional childhood or family or um, anything like that. And so there's a lot of questions about her that she hasn't answered yet. And so um, you kind of give her space and just check in on her once in a while, let her know how the project's doing. And sometimes she responds to you and sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes she leaves you unread. Um, But it's, it's heartening to know that she's at least, you know, she's out there somewhere. Uh, and she hasn't given up. She's, uh, you know, constantly working on her net running skills, um, utilizing Hellfire to to try to find Su Feng Ji. Um, it's kind of become her singular focus. But uh, for you, Saul, um, I also wanted to ask more more having to do with like your sort of being mm-hmm. there. I think with with like recalling you your life as james um occasionally you have dreams still mm-hmm. that don't seem to fit your life or james's life mm. and um they they kind of haunt you and phoebe i think offers uh for you to see somebody a professional mm-hmm. um do you take her up on that I think after some hemming and hawing, Saul definitely will do so because, like, he still thinks of, like, the times in which he met, like, the first time in his memory, which is, like, that dream sequence in which he met Phoebe when Phoebe was a kid. And that still doesn't sit right with him or any of the memories that he recollects from James because after, you know, spending some time with her and, and learning about who James was in the past... Um, asking her, like, yo, when did you guys meet? Like, they, both James and Phoebe met very much when they were adults. So the fact that, like, he had this shared moment, especially when Phoebe was in an incorporeal form, too, talking about how they met when they were kids on, in a ship or in a facility of some sort, really throws him for a loop and just, like, the fact that he's always had this feeling that you know things are out there that are beyond his control he'll he'll go and get like do the the hypnosis or whatever the she recommends okay so you i think you're in one of these you're in one of these meetings um and uh the psychologist has just kind of finished up getting set up for this kind of deep dive that they they're able to utilize um, 
kind of like VR technology from like the VR castles to to incorporate it for like a healing purpose. And um, the uh, the lady says, okay, so just like last time, we're going to take a, a dive back into your life as James. And I want you to pay close attention to uh, your dreams and something something in in your head I, I i've looked at the test the the results a number of times there's just something in there there's a block that i can't access uh, in your psyche and and i think that if we're able to open the door like we ta- have talked about um you it will come flooding back to you who who you are um not to say that who you are today is not a complete person um we we are we're happy with everyone that you know has talked to me about you has always told me how how much they care for you as you are so we're we're not trying to complete you um just answer some of the questions that you have no like uh, about where you came from oh yeah i, I like totally get it, doc and I, I appreciate all like the um you know kind words but I, I wanna I want I wanna jimmy that lock in my skull too, you know? It's I wanna know something. Alright, let's do it. You uh, how to hmm. I gotta hit a button or do you gotta kick me in the head again? You're very funny. Um no, we're going to just recede like we always have. And I want you to just sit through this and kind of just be a passive observer. Um, into the life of James. Um, and so you do, and you, you, you get into this, uh, into this dream sequence, and, or this VR, rather. Um, and you're James as a, a young man. And like, we've ex- like you've uh, just explained before, or, or witnessed before, rather, um, this is the earliest memory you're able to access um you're about uh 17 and you're stepping out of um some sort of like pod um that there's lots of lights and it's hard to it's hard to tell where you are and it's very disorienting and the 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 memory always ends with um you kind of hyperventilating and and passing out and just before you do, um, you kind of, you see a, uh, like laying on a slab, like an older man, um, graying hair, uh, wispy beard, and, uh, he's not moving and you're always worried about him. You know, is he okay? Uh, and then, and then you wake up, um, and, you're in a bed, uh, you assume is yours, and you go about getting up and getting ready for uh, work. Okay, so yeah, there's that old guy that we're always worried about again, Doc. Like I, I'm seeing him again, and I don't know what it means. Do you recognize his face? Uh, is it any clearer than it's been in the past? He still got a we. Uh, I mean, same old kind of like oldish dude. Uh, kind. I don't. I can't tell if he's like. I, I think he. 
maybe in his 50s or 60s he's got a long wispy beard he doesn't look like unhealthy he looks oh like fit for his age i guess but he he's i don't think he's breathing sometimes we um sometimes we 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 put mental blocks over particularly traumatic events and i think I'm not calling you a liar. I think that you do know this man somehow. Um, and my professional inclination is to assume that he's somebody that uh, you care about, um, which is why explains why you're always worried about him um, and if he's okay. And so it, we, we can go through the pictures again if you'd like. Let's try it one more time. Let's try to do it slower. Okay. Phoebe provided these, of course. Um, this is uh, your father. Uh, does he look familiar to you? Yeah, but, I mean, my dad was, like, in his 40s when Mom and Paul got, you know, blown up in that car thing. Um, this guy looked way older. He looked bigger, too. Like, just older stronger maybe okay. sure well we'll continue on um this is your uncle uh ryan this is this ringing any bills for you uh, a, a little bit more i mean like maybe this guy might be could be my dad or ryan you know 20 years later like this guy might be my grandfather maybe but even then my dad and uncle were like twins, right? So that's why they looked the same. But why would my grandpa look like identical to them too? Okay. Well, you mentioning your grandfather. Um, here he is. Uh, now, Phoebe couldn't find a picture of him with a beard, so you'll have to imagine it, of course. Um, does this, does he seem familiar to you? Uh, he's familiar i think but even then there's something different about this guy like the guy in the Saul starts to like rub his head with the obviously the, the vr thing on his face and he's thinking and he's thinking really hard and just like something in his brain says just the first and he's like i i don't know i'm just thinking that like that guy's the first, and I don't know what that means. That's interesting. That's the first time you've used that term, and she scribbles it down in her notepad. Um, I think that we've done enough for this session. Um, I, I would suggest go home, get some rest, ponder this, um, what the first might mean to you. Uh, you're welcome to take the pictures, of course. Uh, any any opportunities to jog your memory, I would suggest you take them. Yeah, I'll I'll do that. I'll, yeah, and so we'll, we'll you know grab a hold of the um, pictures and just kind of like shake the doc's hand and get going for the night, I guess. And he will definitely stop at a uh, penguin taco and pick one up for old times' sake. Sure. Uh, do you grab one for Phoebe as well? 
Well, he'll he'll get three. He'll get one for the road, one for Phoebe, and one for himself. Okay. <laughs> Gotta have enough penguin tacos for the road. If you're not serving to depopulate the penguin population in Antarctica, what the fuck are you doing on this planet? And yes. Generally speaking, I don't know. I know they're all <laughs> synthetic or whatever, but you know the the fact that you're you're killing what is it? Um Antarctic pigeons is <laughs> whatever. So I was just gonna keep rolling. <laughs> okay. Um so I think that um as far as you make a like a, a good You've made a good uh, leap towards the truth, but, you know, a lot of people spend a lifetime searching for things uh, and never get any answers. Do you think that Saul will ever discover the truth? I think Saul will, if he discovers any form of the truth about some form of, like, cloning or anything like that... It's going to be in the fact that he um, he stumbles into it and then immediately thinks that, like, it's somehow tied to aliens again. And that will just further drive his um, unending, like, need to work on robotics. And while he does, like I said, he, he works to, to better ro- the robotics of... Um, uh, just Sahara and also do more uh, everything that like Phoebe and Dr. White are doing in more of a, a um, philanthropic and also uh, I don't know better for society way he is also going to have that like soy fungi body that created machine robot somewhere in his lab maybe not necessarily like hidden but definitely locked away so that no one else can access it in such a way like maybe biometrics maybe anything like that but he will work on that machine until he dies and i think you're about 60 years old Mm -hmm. and um all of a sudden your health has just started to decline um, the doctors are somewhat stumped. Uh, you're a pretty healthy, or you've lived a pretty healthy life um, and avoided all the things that you're told to avoid. Uh, but just one by one, all of your organs um, start to go into a decline. And uh, there is a, a thought in your head, a singular thought that you might be able to preserve yourself if you can transfer your consciousness to the android in your workshop. Do you ignore the voice, or do you listen to it? I'm going to roll a dice. (laughs) And see. Alright, we'll go with a d10. Um, I think on an even number, he will ignore it because he'll want to die with Phoebe. On an odd number, he will go before he dies necessarily with Phoebe, he will transfer his consciousness over to the robot, but that's if I get an, an odd number. And I got a five. 
So I think what he will do is he will explain the the process to Phoebe, and he'll say he'll he'll want to transfer not his entire consciousness, but if he can, a part of James and Saul that's more like technologically inclined, so that he'll he'll tell Phoebe it's for the betterment of you know to continue the work going on after he dies as like an AI, but also it's for that small sliver in his mind that says you need to, you know, preserve Saul, James, you need to preserve that, that, you know, your essence. Okay. Um, so I think, uh, we should leave this up to a, a dice roll as well. Um, so odds and evens mm-hmm. on an even. Well, oh, oh, okay. Just roll. Okay. Uh, D10. I got a three. Three. So you get through this this process. Um, you begin uh, the data transfer. Um, and at the last second, you kind of notice a little red light, uh, an alarm light beeping on the far side of the table. And then um, your eyes open. You, you wake up and you see a, uh, a, 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 a nice older woman, um, you know, uh, fair features if she is, you know, maybe 65 years old. Um, and just the most, like, amazing golden hazel eyes you've ever seen in your life. Um, and she seems friendly. But you don't know who she is. 